This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. Alright, so Kelsey couldn't wait, so she's already she's already chowing down. Um, welcome to I just kind of looked over and saw that. I was like, damn, <laughs> she didn't fucking hold off at all. Uh, I'm sorry, she didn't gosh darn hold off at all. Because I need to watch my language on here. You're, Did someone say that? I've had three people say <laughs> You cuss way too much on there. You know uh, what? My mom said that, too. Did she really? <laughs> okay. Um, gosh darn it. Uh, I'm sorry. I We made it 30 seconds in and I already cussed. <laughs> I even had it in the back of my mind like, watch the cursing today, Matt. You can do better than that. So, welcome to Main Corpse, your one-stop shop for delicious food and insane murder. Uh, today, eats. Yeah, creeps and eats. Oh, my God. That's really good. Okay. Today I have brought something to the table that I don't know how many people have ever heard of or ever talked about. Um, I'm hoping when we get into it, you're going to be like, oh yeah, someone else from another podcast covered that. Because oh, I hope so. But... I didn't find a ton of information on this one, but I still ended up with six pages of notes somehow. So okay. I'll explain that once we get into it. Because I had to dive. Okay, so I, I'll save that until we get to it. Because we have food first. And this looks fucking insane i'm so excited this looks insane not effing insane just insane gosh darn it freaking i'm gonna learn to do that so kelsey do you want to introduce the food because you've had this before yeah yeah so um we have food today from meager's irish pub here in um, clarksburg it is really great we decided to do the um, pepperoni rolls from there and it's really cool the way they do them it's just it's um, shaved pepperoni in um, bread dough shaped as a donut and then deep fried. And we also got some desserts from there. And I am super duper excited. And like he said, I couldn't wait. I've had it before. So I, I knew. forgot that I didn't take pictures of these while they were still donut shaped. And we have both destroyed them. Well, that sucks. Yeah, it's okay. And then if you want to grab a picture of your cake. I'd love to. We're taking pictures of our food because that's the type of people we are. And um, I yeah. was this type of people before a podcast. So I'm not going to lie. Kelsey was telling me about this. She said, you know, they do their pepperoni rolls like a donut. And she had mentioned it like four times. And I really <laughs> couldn't even like picture it. And you open it up and I swear to God, it literally just looks like a donut. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's exactly as advertised. And it's got like, I don't know, we you break it open and it's got like chopped pepperoni mm -hmm. all inside of it. And they do deep fry this bad boy. You can tell it's super crispy on the outside. It's got a really, really dark brown color to it. Um, it's beautiful. I mean, it looks awesome. So, oh my God, where has that been all my life? Exactly. Wow. For a place that like only does pepperoni rolls and that's what we're known for. Like I've never considered having one like this and it's so good. No, when you said it, it sounded sacrilegious to me. <laughs> and I was like, you can't, you can't, you can't just do what you want. Um, Apparently you can. You can. You're allowed to. <laughs> you didn't fuck it up. So, good job. I think they've won awards or something for this, too. I can see that. So, this thing really bucks the system. Mm -hmm. Like, in everything. Mm. Oh, my God. That's so good. So, I'm trying to think of the right way to describe this. When you bite it, like, it's super salty immediately. You get that mm -hmm. pepperoni flavor. And it's so crispy. 
Like it's but it's bizarre. nice and chewy on the inside. Mm-hmm. It's super chewy. Yeah. And yeah, it's got like um not ground pepperoni, but like like hyper diced pepperoni. Like somebody yeah. put it in a um like a food processor or something like that. Right. Really, really cool. Um man, that's that's just interesting. Uh you know what's really weird? When I moved to northern West Virginia when I was younger, I used to tell people all the time that there was a place that made pepperoni rolls. That used chopped up, like, finely diced mm-hmm. pepperoni. And people thought I was insane. And it's actually kind of caught on up here since then. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the second or third place I've had up here in, in the northern part of West Virginia that does it this way. Um, not deep fried in a donut shape. But um, with... That's pretty unique, yeah. Uh-huh. Do we want to try our desserts? I got, because I can't ever buy something new when I've found something I like, I got the um, Irish Car Bomb Cake. And you got what? Their apple pie. Mm-hmm. And it's got um, I guess it's a walnut crust, which I love. That that's so which exciting. is super super cool. Um, I love walnuts. Mm-hmm. It's like one of my favorite go to nuts when I'm baking something. So super cool. Really interested to try that. But that looked so fucking good. So her cake. Um, Imagine the most beautiful piece of chocolate cake you've mm-hmm. ever seen, and that's what it looks like. I mean, it looks awesome. Yeah, it's two. Um, it's a layered two layer cake, mm-hmm. and it they didn't um, cut it any like they didn't tort it. So it's just two thick layers, and they've got um, a Bailey's Irish cream like center to it, and then a ganache on the outside, and it is literally one of my favorite things the chocolate's really nice and moist and it's more of a dark chocolate where it's kind of salty yeah instead of it like looks, yeah i was about to say it looks like a very dark chocolate oh it's so good though and by the way before i um talk about mine so the pepperoni roll mm-hmm. i was watching the way she she did hers and i was like how am i gonna dip this fucking thing in, how am i gonna dip this darn thing in ranch daggone this daggone thing in ranch <laughs> And I saw her pulling it apart. So I did mm-hmm. the same thing. And now there is the most glorious puddle of pepperoni mm-hmm. uh, grease laying in the bottom of this container that I've ever seen. Yeah. So, yeah, her chocolate cake looks amazing. Sounds amazing. The pie. Um, so imagine, yeah, it's exactly what, what we said. It's got like a, a walnut crust on the bottom. The top of it is a very traditional apple pie looking crust, which... I'm excited about because I love pie crust, as weird as that sounds. Love it. Uh, there was a restaurant one time that made pie crust bites, and I would buy them every time Just I like went there. Just like bites of pie crust? It was like... bites of pie crust, and it came with pie filling on the side to dip oh, it in. Cute. And it was so really like cute. So like nachos almost. Mm-hmm. It was like nachos. I love that. So it was like a, just a reimagined pie. I mean, it's just a piece mm-hmm. of pie. But uh, the good part about that is my favorite part of pie is that crispy part at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever you do it that way, you don't get any of the soft bits that you normally would get when you have filling in it. So it's all like super, like super crispy. I'm the exact opposite. So. I like the gooey part that like is touching filling Most at all times. Do. Most people do. Well, um, I'm, I'm like that with everything though. Like if you get a bread bowl, I just want the squishy bread that like had a bunch of soup all over it. So this pie is really good. Is it? And it has got super thick crust. Like oh, on the dude. bottom. Like, it is not, like, short. I mean, it's not, like, just a thin layer of walnuts. It's, like, a lot. Here, go for your try it. I definitely want to try it. It's good. So, I'll explain why I got the the apple pie. They have two desserts. Mm -hmm. Do you know that? (laughs) 
They only have two desserts, and one was the chocolate cake, and the <laughs> other was the pie. Oh my so god! So in the That's back of my mind, apple pie though, it's really good apple pie. The only thing that might make it better, and you can—I don't know if you agree with me or not. Mm-hmm. I love apple pie when they do the um, the crumble. On oh, top so of a Dutch it. apple pie mm-hmm. instead. Dutch yeah. apple pie. I like this. It, it is a that's lot of crust. That's almost like a um, apple pie with a crumble just upside down. Yeah, that's a fair point. Okay. Yeah, and the chocolate cake, I'm going to give that a shot really quick. Yeah. I'm just going to see how that is. Oh, my God, you're not wrong. I know. It's so good. Yeah, that's really, really good really apple good. pie. Yeah, the apple pie, um, you can kind of tell they make this from scratch, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that they make the pie crust themselves, uh, like the actual, but you can tell the apples are fresh. Mm. That's really good. It's got a nice, like, crisp bite to the apple. Yeah, so this is going to be the longest we've ever gone just talking about the food. But it is excellent. <laughs> it's really good food. Mm-hmm. Just, you hear that crunch when mm-hmm. you rip that? Oh, my God, I love the that. The other thing I'm going to point out is it's not so sugary. It, like, mm-hmm. makes you go, what mm-hmm. the fuck? It makes, oh, my God, I got to stop cussing. All right. I, I came into this saying I wasn't going to cuss, and I've officially cussed more in the first 10 minutes of this than I ever have on any of our podcasts before this. So, um, yeah, what I like about it is it's not so overly sugary. You can actually, mm-hmm. like, kind of enjoy the taste of the uh, the pie crust, the taste of the walnuts is there, the taste of the apples themselves. So it's not so sugary you, like, can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just now pulled off an entire piece that is just bread, and I'm so excited about it. It's so good. I don't the know that we've so ever chewy. like been this into something. <laughs> mm. Wow. Okay. I'm very impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pepperoni roll, best call you've ever made. Pretty good. That's really good. Their bangers and mash wasn't bad either. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, we also got a chance to try their bangers and mash because uh, Kelsey's husband, Michael, got that. Really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. What What is the um, concoction... Um, where they mix the mashed potatoes with the... Uh, the coal cannon? Coal cannon. That's what mm-hmm. it's called. Yeah. I had never had that before. I read that online when I was ordering Michael's. Mm-hmm. And I had no clue what coal cannon was. And when I tried it, I don't know that I can ever go back to regular mashed potatoes again. I'm going to have to have it mixed with... Uh, cabbage. Delicious cabbage. Yeah. You know, I'm not like a cabbage fan, but I think I could eat it in mashed potatoes. That's that's really Same. good. Like, it was really creamy. And then the cabbage gave you a really good um, bite. Mm-hmm. Texture. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think we're almost done <laughs> eating the food. We're actually going to finish our meal, I think, um, before we even get to the episode. The other thing I want to mention is what I'm drinking. So I'm drinking uh, Double Dog, um, Double IPA from Flying Dog. Thank you, Kelsey, for having that in your refrigerator. Of course. Um, yeah, so I love Flying Dog, and I'm normally not a huge fan of double IPAs, but it is really doing a good job of cutting that really intense pepperoni. That's why when I saw that we had a double IPA in there, I was like, I'm going to snag that because it's going to go really well with that super salty, super tangy pepperoni, and I was absolutely correct. Um, it pairs really, really nicely. So Nice. Yeah, as a person who doesn't know anything about beer, I'm super glad I didn't make a bad choice. Really good. Um, you also had, uh, I believe, Raging Bitch in there. I do. I can say that one because that's, that's uh, the, title. the name of the beer. Um, but it, I don't think, would have enough backbone to stand up to the uh, the hearty flavor of that pepperoni. Mm-hmm. 
really impressed with Meagers. Um, did not expect to be uh, because I'm gonna I'm not I'm not gonna lie. When I looked at their menu, there was a lot of uh, not Irish stuff on there, and I figured they would have a much more extensive Irish menu. But so far, what they make is very very impressive. So Meagers, um, great job, really really good. I'm gonna put my food to the side, <laughs> or I'm gonna continue eating it. Um, so I will have a I'll have something after we do this because. We've got a story to get to, so you can keep eating the uh, delicious Irish is Irish car bomb cake. Is that what that is again? Mm -hmm. Oh my god, so good! Their apple pie, outrageously good. I get why they only have two desserts. They're like, well, if you can get these two things perfect, don't mess anything up. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's get to what you guys are all likely here for, um, outside of the uh, the delicious food, which again. Meagers is awesome. Let me find, because the one thing we did forget to do is give their location so that people know exactly where it is. Clarksburg somewhere. Yeah, it's in, um, it's in Clarksburg. Let me get the address. Hold on just a minute, guys. Sorry, we are not professionals, obviously, because I did not have this ready. Um, well, here I'm we a liar. Go. Because it's Bridgeport. Is it Bridgeport? Okay, yeah. yeah. 26 Betancourt Suite 101 in Bridgeport, West Virginia. Um, and it's right off of I-79. As mm -hmm. you're going north or south, it's really easy to access either way. The Jerry um, Dove exit. Jerry Dove exit right outside of Bridgeport. And I highly recommend that you swing by because the, the other thing, too, those pepperoni rolls are massive. I mm -hmm. mean, they're really big. And it's $8 for two of them. Which seems like a really good value for what you get. So, yep, Meagers. Uh, highly recommend Meagers. And I promise, if we ever try something and I don't like it, I will not recommend it. But so far, we are uh, we're, we're we're doing pretty good with our food. So we're picking the right places so far. Let's get into these murders because this is uh, this is some weird, weird, weird stuff that I really want to talk about. So we're going to be talking a lot about. Um, biblical interpretation in this one so i hope you're ready for that guys so strap in um have you ever heard of the jeffrey lundgren murders i've heard that name that happened april 17th 1989 okay. is when they occurred all right so let's go ahead and give you guys a little background on who jeff jeffrey lundgren i believe i'm saying that name right was before we get into his exploits. So Jeffrey Lundgren was born um, on May 3rd, 1950. That date, specifically May 3rd, is going to come into play here in a while. Okay. Um, he grew up in Missouri, um, a member of the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am already in. The RLDS, I, not the regular LDS that you see in Utah. The RLDS. This is even crazier. Okay, sorry so if you're uh, if you're a member of, of LDS and I just said you were crazy. Um, if it helps you, these people are crazier than I think you are. Uh, so, <laughs> the RLDS is the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and they are the version of the the Church of Latter Day Saints that believe they are more closely following the teachings of Joseph Smith. 
So they are very prevalent in Ohio, which I guess is one of the areas where Joseph Smith stopped along the way. Um, and there is a very famous temple um, there that is operated by specifically the RLDS, not the regular Latter-day Saints Church. Um, if I'm wrong on this and anyone hears this, this is my understanding of it. I've been trying. There's so much history there that I've been trying to piece it together. But the murder was the more important part. Did you so. watch the um, the Netflix special? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is this. This gets this gets close to being right. that crazy. Um, this gets close. I can't remember what the name of that show is, but it is really, really good. It's the one about the bombings, right? Um, is that the one you're talking about? I'm talking about the one specifically around the Mormons. So yeah, the bombings, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the bombings mm-hmm. about the um, the doc- the documents that the guy was selling and all that. Yeah, that's oh, the one. Wow. Oh my god. Yeah, with yeah. the oh, was it a lizard? Yeah. Yeah. And the, when I was watching it, I was like, if this stuff isn't true, I'm going to be very sad. Then it wasn't true. <laughs> but then they went into all the craziness that happened around it. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm happy again. Yeah. So let me have another swig of beer before we get into this one. So, again, the RLDS, which is the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, con- considers itself the true embodiment um, of, jo- of, jo- of Joseph Smith's uh, church. They renamed their their community later on, so they're no longer the RLDS. They changed in 2001 to the Community of Christ is what they're called now. Mm-hmm. So, again, they consider themselves to be the true embodiment of Joseph Smith's um, teachings. They, they think that the people out in Utah have bastardized it and gotten it wrong. So, uh, apparently, Joseph Smith's stop in Ohio left quite an impression, and now, uh, yeah, we have that. So, by all accounts, um, he was an extreme loner. So, we're talking about Jeffrey Lundgren here. Um, He was an extreme loner as a child. He was severely abused, mostly by his father um, as a child. So, he kind of retreated into um, the outdoors. He was a big outdoorsman. He was a really... Did he grow up in the church? um, He did. He grew up in the RLDS. Gotcha. Which is going to get... Again, it's going to get a little crazy here in just a moment. But yes, by by what I read, he grew up in the church. Again, he was an extreme loner, abused by his father pretty severely as a child. Mm -hmm. Uh, He actually met his wife um, because she had gone through similar abuses and they married early on, which she will come into play later on as well. Um, So again, he retreated into the woods. He was uh, was a really good marksman. He was an excellent hunter. um, And he spent most of his time um, away from the home because, again, he had a pretty rough relationship relationship with his father um but eventually from my understanding him and his father actually hunted together a lot and kind of kind of grew a little bit closer um so he moved to ohio when he was a little bit older and volunteered as an rlds tour guide while living in ohio um so he was actually giving tours of the really kind of, kind of I guess in, in their religion world famous um Kirtland Ohio Temple. It it is a really beautiful church. I did look it up to see what it looks like. But he was living in Kirtland Ohio and he was a tour guide at the temple of the RLDS Um, right there in Kirtland. So while he was giving these tours of the temple, he began to teach a concept um, known as the dividing, sorry, dividing the word or the chiastic interpretation of the scriptures. So I'm going to explain what that means 
Um, because he got into some some territory that apparently is frowned upon by the church. So the chiastic interpretation of the scripture teaches that in everything created by God, the right side is a mirror image of the left side. So by this interpretation, he started to believe that when reading scripture, if the sentence before and after the sentence he was looking at made more sense, then the sentence in between was true. If the sentence before and after were inconsistent in any way, then the middle sentence would be a lie. And this is how he attempted to read the scripture. He also famously amongst the church claimed he was the one that created this interpretation um, and this version of reading the scripture, which is roundly disputed. Apparently he did not create this, but later on you'll find out that he um, was quite a liar on, on a few things. So he, he claimed that he came up with this weird interpretation. He also claimed that the reason he was, and you'll see why later on why I say this, he was obsessed with this temple in Kirtland, Ohio, is because when you look at it, the left and right really are a mirror image of one another, and he thought that it was meant to be. And he also liked living in Ohio because he considered the name Ohio to be in line with this version of, I believe you say, you call it chiastic um, interpretations. So he was uh, a very interesting man. So while he's doing these tours of this church, he's starting to teach this bizarre way to interpret the RLDS scriptures. And he runs afoul um, of some of the elders in this church. And eventually he was fired as a tour guide because he was suspected um, of theft. All right. So to recap, young man is born, goes through a very rough childhood, moves to Ohio after marrying um, someone who went through similar abuses, uh, becomes a tour guide at an RLDS church in uh, Kirtland, Ohio, um, at a temple where he starts to come up with this odd way of interpreting the scriptures that According to what I read, um, he may not have actually been fired due to the suspected theft, um, but more or less fired because of the way he was trying to interpret their, uh, their religious scriptures. So that's what we have so far. So that's where we are. So he's just been fired from the, uh, the gig that he had of uh, showing people around the Kirtland, Ohio RLDS temple. All right. So now let's continue. Because this is where it starts to get interesting. Because um, it's not already bizarre. Yeah, it's not already bizarre. In 1987, he moved the family into a farmhouse and began amassing followers. So he basically moved away from Kirtland, uh, kind of moved from, from what I could tell, a little bit outside of Kirtland, um, moved to a farmhouse and began to amass followers. Um, he used mind control techniques on his followers. Cult members were forbidden to talk to each other. Doing this was a sin that he called murmuring. So he would forbid um, his cult members, which, by the way, I'm going to throw this out there and I'll talk about it again. He never accumulated more than 20 followers. So he was, by all accounts, a very unsuccessful cult leader. Um, I mean, he's more successful than us. We don't have 20 followers. I feel like we could get more than 20 followers if we tried. 
I mean, I feel like if we if we really put our mind to it, and uh, <laughs> and really dug deep um, and found some bizarre gospels to interpret in some weird way, um, you know, here's here's my idea. So I think we should find a random box of cereal and cut a pair of glasses, like something in the shape of a pair of glasses, like three D glasses. Okay, and we find some odd scripture that only a couple like thousand people follow and we claim that god came to us and told us to use this captain crunch box to make a <laughs> pair of like seeing eye glasses that would be able to more accurately interpret this gospel and we tell people you know wearing these glasses it may look funny but i can read what's really written here and not anyone can wear the glasses only us only the two of us we were yeah. the only ones chosen <laughs> so we can totally make that happen so Again, he starts using mind control techniques and comes up with his own new sin called murmuring. All right. So I actually would like to um, talk to whoever's in charge of the Ten Commandments and whatever sins actually are and suggest that we put this on the official docket of a, as murmuring. being a sin because everybody hates it when that happens. I get why he hated it. He was like, These fucking people are talking and I can't hear what they're saying. And I murmuring is a sin. It's a sin. It's official. Um, the one thing that uh, that Mr. Uh, that Mr. Lundgren got correct was the sin of murmuring. Uh, so that's that's what I'm rolling with anyway. So again, they were forbidden to talk to each other, and doing so was the sin of murmuring. This he is would, like the ultimate like gaslighting abusive yeah. relationship. Do you want to hear the next one? I'm so excited. So the next one, he would often eavesdrop on the members because he truly and honestly believed that he could read their minds. So he made it a sin for them to talk to each other, a sin called murmuring. And then when they were alone, he would eavesdrop on them and he would basically tell them, I can understand, I can read your mind and I can tell what you guys are really saying. And what you really mean by the words that that are coming out of your mouth. Like, even things you wouldn't understand, he could understand them. Yeah. So he he would eavesdrop on his... uh, Who are they talking to? They're not allowed to talk. I know. It's so weird. It's so weird. So, again... Um, gets gets booted out, and, and by the way, at this point, he was not even officially um, excommunicated from the church. He's still a member of the church at this point, and he is gathering really conservative members of an already very conservative group, um, and he is convincing them that his way of reading the scripture is correct. Everybody else is incorrect, and he is the one who is more, you know, capable of interpreting this and they can't talk to one another and he can read their minds. Okay? So this is all happening by the way in 1987. We're going to get to 1988 here very shortly. Um actually the very next one here. So this is 1987. In spring or specifically April of 1988, a neighbor reportedly told police that a cult was living next door to her. Lundgren's son warned the local kids that the earth would open up and demons would emerge on May 15th. All right, so in April 1988, a neighbor calls the police and says, Listen, 
I think I have a cult next door. And they're like, why do you think you have a cult next door? Well, their son just now said that the earth is going to open and demons are going to swallow our children on May 15th. I can't find any correlation for why he randomly chose May 15th. But apparently this is something that was being taught in the, the cult at the time. Um, Did the police do anything? From my understanding, (laughs) and and I'm going to get to what they did here in just a moment. So that was a a, reportedly, this wasn't a report. This was just something that a neighbor told some local police. Like they didn't make an official report or anything that I could find. Okay, so they were just like BSing with the like cop they knew like down at the diner. And they're like, you're never going to guess. Yeah, you're never going to believe what I'm about (laughs) to tell you, right? Uh, Because this is is crazy. So the earth is going to open up and it's going to swallow everybody. Um, yeah, demons are going to eat our kids. Yeah, they're going to eat all the children. <laughs> I, 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 you can't make this up. So, um, again, they were going to emerge on May 15th. Uh, spoiler alert, it didn't happen. Uh, it did not happen. So a later, disappointment to everyone. Later in the spring, specifically in late May, a cult member um, was referred by the FBI to speak with the local chief of police. This person reported that Lundgren was planning to, quote, take over the Kirtland, Ohio, RLDS temple. The local police did not believe this informant, um, did not listen to this informant, and basically more or less dismissed it. Okay, they said, no, there's there's no way. Police did um, eventually confront Lundgren, and he called off the planned takeover um, that was planned for May 3rd. His birthday. He was planning to take over the church on May 3rd, which was his birthday. In September of 1988, a second informant came forward, um, promoting, uh, sorry, prompting a domestic terrorism investigation, which from what I read, never went anywhere. So again, in May of 1988, somebody came forward and said he's planning to take over the church. Uh, specifically the Kirtland, Ohio branch of the RLDS, that temple where he was a um, a tour guide who would show people around the church. And... So, so they came forward to the police? Yeah. So what happened is the, the informant initially went to the FBI and the FBI said, listen, this is small fish. We don't deal with this. Take it to the local sheriff and talk to them. The local sheriff basically dismissed it. And from all accounts inside the cult, because later on you'll find out that they have talked to cult members about what actually happened during all of this. Mm-hmm. And they said that after the police talked to him and he denied it, he he came back and said, we're going to have to call it off. All right. So they call it off. Okay. So was yep. it like kind of like a coup or? Yeah. Like, they, okay. We'll get to it because he tries to plan a second one. Uh, and we'll get to how that went here in just a moment right. um, because it gets interesting. But again, that was in um, May that that happened. And then in September, a second person came forward corroborating the story that he had planned on doing that, which did prompt a domestic terrorism investigation into the small cult, which from what I read never went anywhere. They never found any evidence of anything, so they couldn't label them domestic I mean, terrorists. It's just technically terrorism if they're just trying to take over a church. Is that actually illegal? Um, I would think it's how they do it. I mean, if they show up with guns and kill people and take well, over, yeah, the church, no, that yeah. that would be illegal. But. Right? Yeah. So I don't. So later on, I'll tell here in a minute. I will get to what he had planned for the church a year later, and I think that'll shed some light on why they may have been investigating him. Gotcha. So, um, this was all through. So we've gone over the spring of 1988 
And remember, in September, they started a, uh, an, F- an investigation um, on whether or not this cult would be considered domestic terrorists. Um, in October of 1988, Lundgren was officially excommunicated by the church. So in October of 1988, Lundgren gets excommunicated by the RLDS. And on the same day, there was a large thunderstorm in the small town in Ohio, Kirtland, Ohio. And shortly after this, there was a large rainbow that appeared over Kirtland, Ohio. Lundgren and his family told his followers that this um, was a significant sign. and And it signaled the opening of the seven seals. And that them excommunicating him had angered God, and it was proof that he was meant to be the leader. I mean, that's what I think every time I see a rainbow. Yeah, every single time. I say, who's the new God? Every (laughs) time I see one. It must be me. I mean, it's right here, and I can see it. No one else can see this rainbow. Um, So it's, it's just for me. So again, on the day he's excommunicated, large thunderstorm hits Kirtland, Ohio. Shortly afterwards, a huge rainbow is seen over the city. And Lundgren and his family interpret this to mean that um, that these seven sills are open, and that's what he tells his family. So shortly after this, Lundgren and his family started a splinter organization. Their membership never exceeded 20 people. I have never found what the name of this cult was, but they splintered away from the RLDS once he was excommunicated and started their own offshoot of the RLDS um, in their farmhouse with like 18 people. Um, It was a very, very small organization, um, but a strong one, you know what I mean? With great leadership, thanks to Lundgren. Um, So Lundgren um, started holding Bible studies at his home where he would intimidate anyone who disagreed with him, and he would encourage others to do the same. He wanted his followers to believe that he was the final prophet of God. So he starts these Bible study classes and starts to intimidate anyone who disagrees with anything that he says and gets his most ardent followers to do the same so that um, they could try to kind of take things over, right? So they're, mm-hmm. they're trying to basically mentally abuse people into believing this, uh, this offshoot of their religion where he is the new god. Um, he convinces several of his followers to give up their life savings to him shortly after he starts his splinter group. Um, I never saw an exact dollar amount, but my understanding is it was um, at least tens of thousands of dollars. Um, It was a lot of money. So they gave up a lot of money to him. Um, He convinced his followers that they needed to move back to Kirtland where they would witness the second coming of Christ on May 3rd, which was... His birthday. His birthday, right? So. Ah, Jesus. No ego here. Everything just happens around his birthday. That's a very important day to their religion. Who knows why? Except his coup on the 15th. He probably, I don't know, some girl broke up with him on the 15th of May once. Well, no, the the 15th of May was when the earth was going to open and the demons were going to come out. Right, right, right. So he was, yeah. So that definitely was a breakup. It was. Yeah, it was. It was good. (laughs) So again, um, just to kind of recap where we're at. So Jeffrey Lundgren gets excommunicated by the church in October. Um, He convinces his followers that a rainbow meant that he was the second coming of Christ. 
uh, opens up a splinter organization of an already, um, from my understanding, extremely conservative and almost extremist sect of the Latter-day Saints. Um, and he, where he bullies his, his followers into believing everything he says, um, and convinces them that it's time to move back to Kirtland, where they are going to see the second coming of Christ on his birthday. Wasn't he already the second coming of Christ? Well, he wants to make them. He already knows, right? What he's working on here oh, is a plan is, is to... Oh, uh, is showing his followers uh-huh, that he's the to, second coming. To let him coming. know, it's me. I'm here. I'm Jesus part two. Uh, that's, that's what he really... Jesus Jr., if you I'm, will. I'm Jesus Jr. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So... Eventually, all of his uh, all of his followers, all the members, would move into Lundgren's family home, except for one family. There was a family, the Averys, um, that did not move into his home, and this was a family of five. Um, they had sold their home in Missouri, which is where he was originally from, and moved to Ohio to follow him. Dennis Avery and his family uh, believed that Lundgren trusted them. But Lundgren secretly thought that Dennis Avery was weak, and he considered it a sin that the Avery family um, didn't live in the home with the rest of the group. So shortly after um, confirming that he was Jesus Part 2, Jesus Jr., uh, he convinces all of the members, except for these five, to move into his family's home. And he starts to get really angry with the Averys because they did not move in. And he considered that to be... They probably wanted to be able to talk. uh, A sin. Yeah, they they wanted to murmur. (laughs) They wanted wanted to commit the sin of of murmuring. So, yeah, that's where we're at right now. So, again, Dennis Avery and his family move up to Ohio with Lundgren... And, and his followers, and they truly believe that um, that Lundgren is a good friend of theirs and that he trusts them, and secretly he kind of despises them. And um, the five of them, from my understanding, never did move into the family, the family house uh, mm-hmm. with the family or anything like that. So Lundgren, while all this is going on, is planning to have his followers take over the Kirtland... Um, RLDS temple. All right. The plan was to seize the grounds and kill anybody in their path. Um, so he soured on this plan. All right. So basically what happened is his idea was, so basically he, 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 so he grew, he drew up this whole plan to have them take over the RLDS temple and he was going to take all the money that was there. They weren't going to kill anyone in their path. And this was their promised land. This was basically where they were going to make their stand and show God that they were strong. So he really was planning on doing, um, basically he was planning to commit a mass murder and take over a church um, and seize everything. Well, he soured on the idea. <laughs> it was like, I don't think this is a good idea. And instead, what would Jesus do? Right, exactly what exactly what Jesus too does right here. So instead of doing that, he soured on the idea and decided that he would kill the five members of the Avery family instead. And he would use this to prove to God that they were strong and that they were capable. So these five people who they're down five members. I, I know they're, they're killing people they're now. They're literally killing a quarter of their congregation, <laughs> which is 
It's bad for business. It really it's is. It's just not good for business. It's And I don't know. I'm going to have to look and see if anyone's ever made a uh, like a, a documentary about this. Because I imagine it would be really interesting. Have you looked up what Jeffrey Lundgren looks like? Um, Here. I've, I've got him. So you can, you, can, you can gander at him. So there's Jeffrey Lundgren. So I'm showing her a picture and I'll make sure we share the picture. Okay. Uh, when the podcast pops up there there's a lot of pictures of him if you go look him up and i'm not sure if they've ever made um a a documentary about this or not but it's possible that they have i would love to watch it because you know this has got to be some interesting stuff um i did not look up because i didn't want to take too much time on this so i didn't really look up much about the other members of the cult who did help him do what he's about to do um and they they did talk, right? They eventually did uh, talk, and they actually kind of helped track him down, which is interesting, and we'll get to that in just a moment. So he told his followers that God needed to see them kill, uh, sorry, needed to see the Avery family killed for their disloyalty. So he convinced the followers, um, let's go ahead, let's move away from this idea of taking over the church, and instead, let's pop these five people that are right here, because that'll show God that we're serious, it's All right. way more convenient. And that, yeah, we don't have to find parking. You know, we, we're just right here. We don't even have uh, to leave. Yeah, we don't, we can stay right here and do this. <laughs> Let's just do that. Um, so on April 10th, Lundgren ordered two of his members, this is April 10th, 1989, ordered two of his um, members to dig a large pit in the middle of the barn that sat on their property. Okay, so again, April 10th, about a week before the murders happened, because they occurred on April 17th, 1989, he tells his followers, go dig a big old pit right in the middle of uh, of the barn. And he was convinced, after looking at the pit, that it was big enough to hold all five bodies. So he was very happy with their work. Um, I'm not sure how he rewarded them, but apparently it went well. They were um, rewarded by not being in the mass grave. Yeah, by not being in the mass grave. Yeah. So shortly after this, and this is the part about this whole story that I do not understand. When I'm reading this, it just tells you where I am mentally. Because I'm reading this part like a week ago. I'm reading this next part and I'm like, why did he go through the effort that you're about to hear? Because it makes <laughs> zero sense. It makes no sense at all. You're right. Everything else has made sense up till this point. And this is the one when I heard it, I was like... What the hell? What was he thinking? So he convinced the Avery family that the group was going to go on a wilderness camping trip. Oh, no. They got taken for a walk. Not at all. Because it gets gets even stranger here in a minute. So (laughs) convinces them during the week after they dig this big pit in the barn, we're going to go on a camping trip. Okay? We're going to go on a camping trip. On April 17th, um, he rented a hotel room and had dinner with all of his followers there. So he rented a hotel room, had dinner with all of his followers, and after dinner, he met with all of the men, excluding Avery, which would look very suspicious. So I'm starting to think when I'm reading this that Avery was just a big dipshit and just didn't know (laughs) what was going on, because it gets really dark here in a minute, so I'm going to get my my fun out right now, because it does get really fucked up, but... He, he he had a meeting with him and covered all of the details of what he was calling a sacrifice. All of the men confirmed that they were aware of what their duty was and that they were ready to do this. They returned home to the farm after renting this, this room and having dinner together. And the men lured Avery into the barn by asking for help gathering camping equipment. 
So I guess that's where the camping thing comes in. Like that was going to be their lore to get him out to the barn was we need help getting all this camping equipment together. So he gets to the barn, Avery gets to the barn, and we know all this because, again, the followers who are still around and who saw this all happen told told the story, lure him out to the barn, and they tried to, from my understanding, use like a stun gun to knock him out, and it fails miserably. They don't knock him out, and he's still just, just fine. Uh, so instead, they jump him, right? They jump him. Um, and gagged him and dragged him in to where Lundgren was waiting. So I'm assuming near where the hole was in the barn. So they lured Avery out to the barn, and they said, we're going to try to stun gun you, and we're not good at this. <laughs> so it failed miserably. So they gagged him and dragged him into where Lundgren was waiting, where Lundgren, um, gangland style, shot him uh, twice, and he died instantly. To mask the sound of the gunfire, they turned a chainsaw on and left it running in the barn. So to not alert... I'm sure that was super safe. Yeah, to not alert the other people in the house, they uh, they they turned on the chainsaw and they shot Avery two times. Uh, he instantly died. Avery's wife, Cheryl, was lured out and also killed. Um, they gagged her and put duct tape over her eyes. Which is really weird. When they found the body, she was also gagged, but she had duct tape over her eyes. That is one of those things that just reads remorse to me. Me too. And part of it, listen, here's my thinking. And if somebody knows more about this case and can tell me, do you think he was having an affair with her? Do you think Lundgren might have been having an affair with her? Because, like, why would you put tape over her eyes? And Because you didn't do it to him, but putting tape over someone's eyes so they can't look at you while they while you kill them tells me that you have a lot of you have a lot of regret and remorse for what you're about to do. And nothing about the first murder has sounded regretful at all. It sounded vengeful, right? It sounded like he just wanted to kill him. Um, in this case, he uh, he put her he, he they put duct tape over her eyes, gagged her, and get this: they shot her three times, twice in the breast. What specifically? Specifically the breast. And I don't know why. I don't understand it. This is the part that gets really weird to me. So I feel like there is some underlying thing between Avery's wife and Lundgren for him to have done that specifically. Yeah, I don't know. This guy's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, it's really weird, right? So here's where it gets really dark. So if anyone uh, would like to back out for a moment, you can. There were also three children in the Avery family. Um, Avery's eldest daughter, 15, uh, who was 15, I believe her name was Trina, was shot twice in the head. Um, after investigators looked, it was actually very, very sad. The first bullet ricocheted off of her skull and failed to kill her, so they had to shoot her a second time to kill her. Um, 13-year-old Becky was shot twice, uh, once in the stomach, or sorry, the chest, I guess, once in the head, and literally just left somewhere to die. Uh, which is which is really 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 sad. And then the final one, uh, which makes these these last three murders are what really make him a, a monster to me. Six year old Karen was shot once in the chest and then once in the head, and they buried all five of them in the same grave in the barn. So he he executed mercilessly executed five members uh, because he thought they were committing a sin against him by not agreeing to move into the house with him and his family. I think there has to be more to this than 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 what I than what I found. I feel like there has to be so much more to it. Um, 
because I just don't understand why you would kill five people. I mean, I know, I know he's he's obviously a control freak. He's obviously um, a narcissist. I guess is what you would call him, like a mega narcissist. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you uh, if if you're right, and he was having an affair with Avery's wife, and they didn't agree to move into his house, that might have been <clears throat> enough to trigger it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking something triggered this because it it sounds. Um, First of all, first of all, he digs the hole in the barn a full week before he kills him. That tells me he was really thinking about it. There's a weird thing where he rents a hotel room and takes all of them to dinner on the day that he does it. And then... Like and the then, Last Supper? Yeah, and then sort of haphazardly puts together this plan that almost fails because they tried to... They tried to knock out Avery, and it didn't work. And what had happened if, if he had overpowered him and got away? You know what I mean? Like, this was not thought through. This seems like, I don't know, this this seems like it's much deeper than just a cult leader fearing somebody. Uh, because why would you kill the entire family? You take out all of them. It, it's not, none, nothing about this makes any sense. He sounds like a normal cult leader to me. And I know that's hard to say, but he sounds like a normal, run-of-the-mill, egomaniac cult leader. He 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 does the the normal hallmark things they do: separate people from their families, um, try to use mind control on them, try to gaslight them, like you said. Mm-hmm. Nothing about the way he carries out this murder makes any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, he's that's the thing that separates him, I think, from other cult leaders. Yeah, because he this was personal. This whole like this whole thing was personal. Yeah, it, it feels very very personal to me. Um, so really, really odd. And then we get into the last part of it. So again, they bury all of them, um, in the barn and the mass grave. The next day on April 18th, um, literally the day after the murders happened, police came to the farm, um, on a completely unrelated matter. So the police show up on the farm, totally unrelated matter. And Lundgren becomes extremely paranoid, um, and the group decides shortly thereafter to flee the farm. So they, they leave the farm, lock up everything, take off. The group moves to a town in southern West Virginia. So the group moves to a town in 1989 in southern West Virginia. Um, a couple months went by and they saw no signs from God because they thought that once they had committed this murder, they would see a sign from God that they had done the right thing. They saw nothing. And Lundgren, according to them, became disillusioned and just picked his family up and moved them to California, abandoning the rest of the cult um, in southern West Virginia and leaving them there. Um, about nine months after the murders, an informant came forward and the five bodies were found um, and the Lundgren family went on the run. So an informant, I'm assuming from the cult, came forward, told them what had happened, and the Lundgren family went on the run. The surviving cult members were caught um, in southern West Virginia, in the East Coast, somewhere on the East Coast, um, I'm assuming southern West Virginia, um, and did help track Lundgren down. He was found guilty and was sentenced to death and was executed in Ohio on October 24th of 2006. So about 16 years after the fact, almost uh, almost 17 years after the fact, he was caught and put to death. I'm sure he had a lot of appeals up until <coughs> 2006. He did. <clears throat> yeah. He had appeals. Um, as a matter of fact, they... Um, 
let me find the exact dates because this is one part I didn't write down, but it is really interesting with the appeals. Um, so let me find it really quick. Yeah, so on October 17th of 2006, um, Judge Gregory Frost issued an order temporarily de uh, sorry, delaying Lundgren's execution um, while Lundgren attempted to join a lawsuit with five other Ohio uh, death row inmates challenging the state's death law, or sorry, death penalty law. Um, eventually this was all thrown out. Um, clemency was denied and he was killed a week later on October 24th. He was sentenced to death. So his wife, uh, was given, um, apparently life sentences along with other members of the cult. Um, they will likely never see the light of day again because I mean, it's, it's a, it's a brutal murder to me. This is more brutal, um, in the way it was handled than even what the Manson family did. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Manson family murders, um, were big because of what they were and because mm -hmm. of, of how, how kind of heinous they were. Right. But he didn't, he, to my knowledge, didn't murder his own members. I mean, that, that seems like a, a really weird it seems step. counterproductive. Especially for a small cult. Like I said, if you told me, hey, we had 60 people listen to the podcast and we're like, well, 30 of them got to go. Then I would just be, <laughs> I would just be like, um, that would be counterintuitive to what I'm trying to do. Right. So I don't know. Seems uh, seems odd to me, but this is one that I was I was going to wait until after the holidays because it seems like a New Year type of story. I was going to wait until the spring, and then I was like, I just I just can't wait. Uh, we got to talk about it. So, um, yeah. So there you go. There's the story of Jeffrey Lundgren, his Feld RLDS offshoot cult, and you know, I, some really sad shit. To be honest with you, yeah, it's it's very very sad. Had it been a, had it been a him and his wife, it would still be like tugging at my heartstrings. But you bring the kids into it, and it's just uh, it, it breaks my heart. But uh, yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts? I don't have any thoughts on this one. This <laughs> one was really messed up, dude. Um, yeah, I. It just seems so out of left field. Yeah, with everything that was going on, like. I hate to say this, but, like, most people who end up committing murders or serial killings or yeah, any anything of that nature, there's, like, something that leads up to it. And out of nowhere, just one day, he's like, you know what? I was gonna be a, like, terrorist, but I've decided instead I'm just gonna... I'm just going to, like, gang-style shoot these people. Yeah, so the other <laughs> thing that's kind of shocking about it, when you look at other cults, you almost have to follow, like, a 20-year history yeah. to see them end up where they were, right? Or, mm -hmm. or, like, even a decade. You're talking about 1987, 1988, and part of 1989. That's how quickly this happened. Um, and that, again, that just, it reeks to me of it was very, very personal and beyond mm -hmm. just being... You're not part of my cult. You're not doing what I'm asking you to do. Right. Um, it, it feels like so much. It feels so much bigger than that to 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 Lundgren. It seems like, and I, I I'm gonna have to read more about this. Maybe we'll do a part two where I can talk a little bit more about it once I read a little more. But um, I wanted to outline the crime at least and talk about this because it's 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 very very interesting to hear a cult fail that disastrously. Like you normally hear that. They ha So most cults have this thing where they go up and up and up, and then they hit a, a plateau, and then they fall, right? So mm -hmm. almost every cult you ever hear, they, they build this big following, they start to do all this. He seemed to just shoot himself in the foot from the very beginning. Did not seem like a very good cult leader to me. 
Yeah, and he had all the makings at the beginning, like, utilizing the church to... Yeah. Really, he could have been a second Heaven's Gate had he not lost his mind. Yeah, you could have done so much more. Yeah. Jeff, what were you doing, dude? A lot of potential there. Wasted. <laughs> I love the way we're talking about this. Like, you, <laughs> man, you could have... The sky was the limit for your career, bud. Uh, and then you, he was uh, the second coming of Christ. He was yeah. Jesus Jr. We're, we're talking about this like an NFL quarterback who had a bad game. Like, <laughs> oh, you were almost there. You were almost there. Um, so <laughs> thank you guys for listening. We'll, uh, we'll leave you alone now. I do want to talk um, really quickly about uh, Meekers one more time because I know that everybody's really excited for that. You should go try them out. Uh, let me find that address one more time, unless you already have it pulled up. I think I can get it quick. Say, yeah, I don't. There we go. All right, so the address one more time for Meagers, 26 Betancourt, uh, Suite 101, um, Bridgeport, West Virginia, 26330. Highly recommend the pepperoni rolls. The cake is the best dessert they have. The pie is really good. So if you're with a friend, have them get the pie, you get the cake, and just <laughs> split it. And just enjoy the best of both worlds. But get that pepperoni roll. Um, I like it better than the uh, the thing Michael got. Um, oh, the bangers and mash. I liked that. This is a whole different level. Yeah. This is, this is just a different ballgame. It really there. is. So with that being said, you can listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other spots where you can find great podcasts. There was another one that we added for your mom iHeartRadio. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio now as well. I think we had five people listen on there, which was kind of fun. So uh, go go do that to one of our episodes. So go listen on iHeartRadio. Um, I've never used it before, but I'm going to download it just to bump those numbers up. Perfect. Um, just let it play through a couple times so people, people think people like us. That's, I mean, I like us. I don't know. We're the only ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this has been Main Corpse. Um, thank you for joining us. And uh, don't go kill anyone. And stay creepy, guys. And if you do, have some sort of uh, reason for it. This just seems, Be better. Yeah, be better. Be better than Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Later. Later.